Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro. Delighted to have you here for this special hashtag medlasso from explore the space podcast and women in medicine summit mashup event this was a live show that we did on tuesday september 28th it was an absolute blast delighted to be able to share it as a podcast episode with all of you before we get to it a thank you to Lori bedke and creighton university for sponsoring this episode creighton university believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room the operating room and the boardroom If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. And thanks also to the Women in Medicine Summit for sharing this event with Explore the Space podcast and MedLasso. It was an absolute treat to be a part of it. And a big shout out to the Women in Medicine Summit for their extraordinary conference that just wrapped up this past weekend. You can go to their website at www.womeninmedicinesummit.org and see the whole agenda. Their talks will be available soon. You can pre-register for next year. It is not to be missed. It's an amazing event. Dr. Shika Jane is the director, and she puts on an incredible show. Her vision for what this already is and what it's going to be is truly extraordinary. She is a visionary, and it's very exciting to watch this all go. The show notes are packed with all the links that you need, but a big thank you to the Women in Medicine Summit for allowing us to be a part of this wonderful live show. And what a show it was. Dr. Jane, myself. My friend in Med Lasso, Dr. Syed Tabatabai, and Dr. Jesse Allen came together as a panel to talk about Ted Lasso, the show that we all love, and gender equity and leadership and friendship and so much more. We had people joining us from all around the country. We had great questions on Twitter and in the chat forum, and we were able to get people to come on and actually speak on the show, and it was just a total treat. I think you're all going to really enjoy it. And I am delighted to be able to get it out this quickly, too. It was awesome. We had a great production and everything turned around really fast. Please do check out the entire archive of Med Lasso and the archive of Explore the Space podcast. We just crossed 250 episodes. Everything is at www.explorethespaceshow.com. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com and find me on Twitter at ETS show. Please do subscribe to and rate Explore the Space podcast wherever you like to download your shows. A rating and review really helps us out. And please do keep sharing the show with your friends. It's a, it's a wonderful gesture and much appreciated. So all that said, it is time to get amongst it. Let's get going with the Med Lasso and Women in Medicine Summit live show. It is seven o'clock on the dot. I'm going to give it a few minutes to get people a chance to log in. We've got Chris from Cincinnati, who's Gen Peds. We've got Avio Glasser, who's from Portland, Oregon, and is a hospitalist. We've got Eve Chute tuning in from Chicago. Nandini from Westchester County, grew up in San Antonio. Sayadi, I think that's a shout out. Yeah. We've got Dan, who is general IM in New York and palliative care. Saida, who's from geriatrics from Chicago. Got Nicole from New York. Cindy from Chicago is peds. 
Jessica Rabaza, our fabulous digital media fellow from Atlanta is here. So excited. All right. So it is 7.01. So what that means is we are going to go ahead and get ourselves started. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get amongst it. (laughs) That was a brilliant, brilliant entry, Dr. Mark Shapiro. (laughs) So welcome to the first ever Med Lasso Women in Medicine crossover event. We want to invite you to this, what is already proven to be probably one of the most unique webinars I've ever been on. Uh, for those of you who you don't know me, I think so. There you go, For those who don't know me, my name is Dr. Shika Jane. I am a oncologist here in Chicago, and I'm the founder and chair of Women in Medicine Summit. Part of the reason we decided to put this whole fun webinar together is, as many of you know, the Women in Medicine Summit happened this last weekend, and many of us are avid followers of the Med Lasso uh, uh, podcast and the Med Lasso hashtag. We know there's a lot that's happened in the last year and a half, and this show has really been a way for us to kind of come together and figure out how to navigate our way through a very tough year. Um I'm hearing you can't see the entire logo on my awesome shirt that was sent to me by Dr. Jesse Allen. So this is my amazing shirt. I'm gonna, and Dr. Allen also has the same amazing shirt. So I'm actually going to pass it over to um, my fabulous uh, co-host today. The first co-host is Dr. Jesse Allen. I'm going to let her introduce herself, and then I'm going to have her talk a little bit about why we are all here today. So Jesse, take it away. Hi, I'm uh, Jesse Allen. I'm a pediatric hospitalist in. Palo Alto, California, and I'm the social media editor for the Women in Medicine Summit. And I'm really sad I should have dressed up as Keely. I feel like if I dug deep into like some college outfits, I probably could have found some like, you know, fur, fake fur, or maybe some leather. You've got your equivalent of the beard magic pants living somewhere in a box? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I could probably find something that worked. I, mean, I, I shouldn't admit that, but it's probably I think we, we could high all- pony, a high pony. Oh, somebody yeah. is asking if there's going to be Ted Lasso spoilers. So we are going to try really hard not to have any Ted Lasso spoilers. We're going to talk more about general themes. So also, <laughs> if anybody wants to tweet that out and tell people to join us, but they're worried about spoilers, feel free to join. We are really going to try hard not right team. We're going to try really hard not to throw spoilers out there. Correct. Roger that. All right. Sorry, go back to you, Jesse. I love the call for is Syed wearing sparkly pants. You're all kind of hoping you were going to wear the killer's jacket. Yeah, sorry. It's, this is like a double letdown. But actually, I am wearing sparkly pants. I'm just not going to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> the, le- the legend of Syed's pants. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jesse, why do you talk a little bit about why we're here? What brought us together today? Gosh, I think that there's so many ways that Ted Lasso, this amazing TV show, overlaps with medicine in general and with, I'd say, the Women in Medicine Summit. Um, I don't know about anyone else, but I left the summit feeling like, wow, I just left with so many people that I want to get to know more and so much connection. And I think that's what Ted Lasso is really all about is connection and family. And I, I think that's how we feel in healthcare right now. I mean, I think of my amazing coworkers as my family, especially in the pandemic when I wasn't able to see my own family. I was hanging out a lot with my coworkers and relying on them. So I just think there's a lot of 
overlap um, in a great way, especially the connection in the community. Fantastic. Mark, I'm going to pause for a second. There's been a request by John Irwin for you to please put your mustache and glasses back on so we can get a screenshot. So I'm going to call out and make sure you do that so we can get an amazing screenshot. All right, let's do this. All right, screenshot time. What? I want the ball. Give me the ball. I want the ball. Give me the ball. <laughs> amazing. All right. So while we're doing the screenshot, Syed, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, introduce yourself and then we can do a little bit of uh, you can tell us a little bit about why you think this is so important. Sure. Uh, so I'm Syed Tabat Dubai. I'm at The Real Dr. T on Twitter. I'm a nephrologist here in Santana. And uh, I've been lucky to be part of Med Lasso uh, with Mark uh, from, from the beginning here. And uh, the show itself, I think each season has given me something different in terms of why I need it <laughs> and why I connect with it so strongly. I think the first season was just this uh, bolt of light out of the blue with its optimism and um, just the, the entire tone of the show uh, at a point where I was in the dark forest, so to speak, from the show. I think that was so welcome. And then uh, the second season has been more kind of what, for me, what, what Jesse was talking about um, so eloquently is, you know, the families we are born with and the families we choose and um, that, that kind of connection. So each season has given me something I really needed at that moment. I'm grateful for it. All right. And Mark Shapiro, who really needs no introduction because he is the originator of Med Lasso, the hashtag. Um, Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself and what what inspired you to create Med Lasso. I think that is really an important because honest to God, I never would have thought of creating something that integrated medicine and Ted Lasso so wonderfully. What made you think of this idea? You know, to, to answer the question properly, I need to keep the visor, the shades, and the mustache on. That way I can really channel where we are with this. You know, there's lots of ways to describe this. I think for me personally, there was a real thirst for some way to connect on a different level around something that's pleasant, um, something that's entertaining, something that feels good, that gives you a neurotransmitter surge of just happiness, relaxation, and anticipation in a good way. I think we were all kind of thirsting for that. I think we had the, the connections were already there um, through our professional connections and through med Twitter and social media and these sorts of things, but just doing it around something that was exciting and pleasant and aspirational was, was a, was a gap. And, you know, Ted Lasso, at least for me is a television show and granted, this is just entertainment, but it's, it's people living in a chaotic time leading and living and supporting and being friends by leveraging things like empathy and kindness and accountability and emotion. And that just, it just fits right. And it's allowing, I think all of us to express our own personal journeys in the context of the show, but it's still deeply personal. And for me, that's just really special. And so to know that we already have these platforms, we don't have to reinvent them. Let's just lean into it and have some fun. And, you know, the Med Lasso adventure has just been amazing. And I think this mashup works because the Women in Medicine Summit over the weekend did the exact same thing, right? It's that sense of joy and kindness and togetherness in a time of chaos. And there's meaning in that. And for us to all be leaning into it to this degree is so exciting. Totally agree with you. So I'm going to set the <clears throat> ground rules for today's webinar because it is a one of a kind event. So first of all, the point of this is for us to just get together and talk. And it's not just for the four of us to get together and talk. We want engagement from all of you. So I'm going through and allowing everybody to be able to talk. But what we would request, so this doesn't de de develop into chaos, 
is um, if you want to ask a question, uh, if you can use a little raise hand um, function on Zoom and then I can unmute you or then you and then I can unmute you and then we can have this become a dialogue. I also want to encourage you to live tweet throughout this entire thing. Feel free to screenshot, do whatever you like, get us out there on Twitter, engage on social media, because as you all know, the four of us are pretty active there. Um, but really, the purpose of this is for us to have a community that we can talk with. And it's not just the four of us talking, because you've all heard the four of us talk a lot. We want to hear from you and we want to talk to you and figure out what you want to talk about. So kicking it off, the first general theme that I kind of wanted to examine when it comes to the crossover between Med Lasso, Ted Lasso, Physician Leadership, Women in Medicine Summit is leadership. Because one thing I think that is done so expertly throughout this entire show is there are so many different ways to lead, right? From Keeley's way of leading, which initially I told Mark on the episode I came on, I did not like Keeley, but now I'm seeing her as this kind of unassuming leader without formal authority, right? She doesn't have formal authority as a leader, but she navigates a lot of things and she leads a lot of things. Then there's the Rebecca's of the, of the show. Then there's the Ted's. Then there's, you know, the psychiatrist, Dr. Shin. There's so many amazing different leadership styles. There's Roy, there's Jamie. They all lead in their own ways. So I want to kick it off with you guys. And I want to hear a little bit about what you guys think about the different leadership styles and, and how that kind of integrates into how we think about medicine. So I'm going to kick it to one of you guys, Jesse Syed or Mark, who wants to take that one first. I'll jump in. Um, one of the things I love with the show really, and I, I won't give any spoilers, but I love what Ted does is that, and we talked a lot about this in the Women in Medicine Summit, is that like kitchen cabinet and using the people around you. And, you know, Ted is not a football expert by any means. And he really relies on the people around him to give him support and I love that type of leadership. And we see that all the time, it's, you know, in all types of medicine, especially I think about it in hospital medicine, where we're like constantly relying on our experts and our consultants. And really that team dynamic is, I think, really relevant in medicine. What about you, Mark? What do you think? Ted Lasso has demonstrated the need for agile leadership and the acknowledgement that everyone has the toolbox to be a leader. And it's important for us because... When you're in the hospital room, you're a leader by definition, whether you want to be or not. Um, and I think in that space, it's important for us to know that when we're looking around saying, where are more leaders? Why don't we have a deeper bench of leaders? We do. It's figuring out how to let them feel heard, supported, acknowledged, and, and kind of brought into that leadership space to understand what they're able to do in that, in that capacity. In medicine, we're not really good at it, um, but the demand for leadership certainly is there. And the way that the show demonstrates that everybody has the opportunity to lead and that when they're given that opportunity in a space of support and accountability and compassion, they're going to knock it out of the park. What about you, Syed? What do you think? You guys are making such uh, insightful and wonderful comments. <laughs> I'm going to jump in earlier next time. <laughs> but uh uh, yeah, I, I agree with obviously everything you guys are saying. One of the things that stands out to me about Ted Lasso is, um, especially in the sports world, there's a very strong hierarchy in coaching and the way that coaching happens and the way that, you know, the, the coach talks to the players. And it, it's always uh, struck me how Ted is not really that concerned about that. I mean, his office door is always open. 
Um, he sees these people as individuals, not as cogs in the machine. And he has no issue with feeling threatened, you know, in terms of his authority when other people have moments where they shine. And in fact, he encourages them and makes a classic example, uh, brings them, he completely disregards the role that Nate has been assigned. He sees Nate as a person, he values his contributions, and he brings them all the way up to, to the point where Ted is comfortable stepping away from his leadership spot and letting the other guys, uh, you know, the other people carry it. And so it, it's really quite remarkable. All right. We've already got some people who are interested in asking some questions and I love it. So first I'm going to call on Daniel. Daniel uh, has his hand up and I saw it first. So Daniel, what's your question? It, so not as much a question as an observation. I think the thing I've learned the most from Ted Lasso is how many different leadership styles there are that work, you know, Roy Kent speaks deeply to me. I'm a grouchy guy who, <laughs> especially lately, you know, I'd spend all day cursing just because there isn't anything else that can constructively be said. But I'm, you know, I'm just curious how you integrate different leadership styles and what you, you know, what you've learned from watching all of these people who manage things so differently and yet get good results. Yeah. Can I comment on that? I yeah. like that question a lot. This was a, it's a great thought. And for me, what I loved was seeing the WIMS Summit, the Women in Medicine Summit that happened this weekend. The whole list of talks, the entire agenda, each one was presented in its own unique way. Each one presented very specific and very granular leadership points that are accessible to anyone, regardless of your level of training. And that overlap for me was was really exciting that just like this TV show that's winning Emmys can express leadership techniques in this way. This conference that, you know, Shika and her entire team are growing is doing the exact same thing, leveraging our own bench strength. We're not hiring people to do this. This is just us. And for me, that was so exciting to see that overlap, to like watch an episode of Ted Lasso and literally the next morning whim starts. It was so cool. Well, and I want to say, you know, one thing we do with whims that I think it goes exactly to your point of like taking Nate and putting him in a role that's totally different from what he originally was meant to do. We do a lot of bi-directional mentoring within whims where oftentimes we give people like students leadership, which in medicine, that's not the way it works, right? In medicine, we do, we have the hierarchy and the senior people get the accolades and the junior people do all the slogging. But what we try to do is we find the skills that each people, each of the people in our team have, and we try to amplify them and let them lead where they have expertise. And I think that's really the, the wonderful thing that we see in Ted Lasso. And we're seeing from some of our most amazing position leaders and really world leaders over the last year and a half, where they're finding the strengths and weaknesses in other people. And they're taking people with certain strengths and letting them take the lead, even if that's not necessarily what they were assigned to be doing or what they were meant to be doing. I mean, we're seeing with people running COVID units who had never run anything before, but are doing it so expertly because they're giving that opportunity to utilize their skill sets in a new way. I totally agree with you, Shikin. I think you do this really well as a leader is pulling from all different levels. And I think of what I've learned at WIMS um, over the last year. And I mean, I've learned some of the most from like Jessica Rabaza, who's here tonight, and she's our a social media uh, fellow, and she has done a phenomenal job. I've learned so much from her. I've learned so much from Trisha Pendergrast about like Twitter. And I loved her breakout session and how to engage on social media during conferences and 
I love that there's, it feels like the hierarchy is just gone, which I think is exactly what Ted Lasso tries to do. Exactly. There's still the coach. So everybody knows that Ted's the coach, but there's other people leading with him and it's not like Ted's game. It's everybody's game. Everybody on the team has a role. So I want to jump to the next question because we've got so many people with their hands raised. I'm so excited. So it looks like um, Suba, you have a question. Do you want to uh, unmute and ask your question? Sure. Hi, everybody. Um, I, I'm a little bit delayed now in my comments and my question. Um, hashtag Meg Grind. Yes, hashtag Meg Grind. I'm drinking my coffee after my Peloton ride. Um, <laughs> so first of all, totally loving this. And I have to give a shout out to Wims because I, when I went for the first time, before COVID, I had just become CEO of my company and I felt really out of my skin. And I remember taking skills that I learned at the summit immediately and putting them into practice afterwards. And I emailed Shika afterwards to be like, this was amazing. And I, I really was able to apply those things that we don't learn in medicine and are so important for us to be able to excel in other areas of life. So I think that's been an incredible resource. Um, and as far as the leadership skills that I've seen in Ted Lasso, I think what you said, Syed, really resonated with me, which is that he sees leadership in everybody. And he really helps lift that up in everybody, even when we don't or even when they don't see it in themselves. And that's really what I'm trying to do as um, in my role as a, as a leader is really find what skills everybody else has and help them amplify them. Um, and I think each of you do that in so many different ways. Um, so that was my comment a little bit late, but my question or, or my, my other observation is with the woman up comment, I was really surprised at how taken aback everyone was. Cause I feel like I kind of want that to be more normal. It felt kind of normal to me. I was like, yeah, that's right. You have the ovaries to do something. <laughs> and I was kind of surprised that the, the, um, conversation around it and how many people had to pause and be like, I don't know what I use that at in, in, and just would like your comments on that. Cause Everyone seemed to be more um, surprised by it. I'm going to toss it to Syed first, because I think it's interesting to hear the male perspective on that comment. Yeah, thanks. Um, Shika. Mark, Mark and I, like when we did the Med Lasso following that episode, I think we immediately, that was one of the first things we talked about, because um, it was one of those things that when I saw it and when I heard it, I just had this visceral reaction, like, oh my gosh, that's so... That's so obvious, you know, it, it seems so obvious in that moment. And I was like, why, why did I not think of that? And, and Mark and I were talking about uh, the way we frame things and the way we talk about things and the way we address problems and the concept of manning up and kind of all the negative stuff that gets rolled into that that we don't really talk about. And, you know, the, why can't it be womaning up, which uh, I can't remember now exactly which character said that in that moment, I'm kind of blanking. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it just seems so natural. It, I, I, it blew our minds at the time. What do you think, Jesse? What did you think when that comment came out? You know, I think the whole show has this subtle way of drawing attention to gender equity in a way. I almost think that having everybody pause brought just a little bit more attention to the comment without being really in your face. So I sort of liked that they were like, wait, what'd you say? Well, you mean man up? And he's like, no, that didn't, that didn't work for you. No, it's time to woman up. I, they do that a lot. I was thinking without giving the details away about how it's sometimes that the women will coach the men in a way to like make yourself big and how you're talking. And typically you think of it the other way is 
the woman, you know, needing coaching on how to have a power pose and do all these things. And so there's these subtle things that the show does that I think really amplifies, the, you know, the, the, the mission, if you will, or kind of the work towards gender equity, but it's so subtle that it, it works really seamlessly and it's not too much in your face. I think there's a great lesson for men in that work too, with respect to leadership and gender equity. The word that comes up that I think for men in the space of gender equity, that can be a barrier to entry or can feel like a sense, there's a sense of concern is that whether what you're doing might be perceived as simply being performative, the word that comes up frequently is performative. When they did that scene, that could very easily have come off as just Apple saying, we're going to tip our cap to gender equity, and then we're going to move on. But I would submit that the vast majority of people that saw that felt that there was a real genuine sense, just like you all were saying, that there's a real genuine sense that this show leans into gender equity. I think for all of us to internalize that, that you can do these things, you can make these public statements, you can be forward facing with your positions around gender equity in our profession specifically too. And it's not performative as long as it's authentic in the space that you're in. So I want to say two things to that. So first of all, you're absolutely right, Mark. And actually, you know, the inclusive leadership lab that we started through the women in medicine program, the um, panel at WIMS, they, somebody brought that up. One of the women who was attending actually asked, how do you be an ally without coming across as you're just doing it for lip service? You're just doing it to say I'm an ally and not act and just not being actually performative. So I think that's a real challenge when it comes to this type of work. And I totally agree. I never in a million years would have thought that Ted Lasso was a show that I would be talking about is actually representing ways that you can incorporate gender equity into your everyday life without it being a thing. And now I'm going to I'm going to tell you guys a secret about me that I don't think anybody actually knows. So when I was a kid, I thought feminism was ridiculous because I didn't understand what people were complaining about. I literally was like women complaining about not getting equal pay and not getting equal work. That's ridiculous. They're just not fighting for it because I just assumed that they were women who weren't fighting for it hard enough. That was when I was a kid. Now, looking back, I'm like, wow, I was so naive. I can't believe that I didn't realize the way we see life in Ted Lasso is the way I used to see life like through my rose colored glasses. But it's such an easy way to actually incorporate gender equity and equity in general into your life and into your daily routine. Um, I'm going to call on the next person who's got their hand raised, which is it looks like Avi O'Glasser. Um, would you like to unmute and ask your question? Honestly, this conversation, hi, I'm muted, I'm Avi. This conversation has just been so fantastic. I don't even remember what I was going to say earlier. Uh, <laughs> and maybe somebody already said it, which is fantastic. I'm going to say this, though, because thinking about how prominent Ted Lasso and Med Lasso were uh, at the summit, I mean, honestly, I need to put up a Twitter poll to figure out if it was Hamilton or Ted Lasso that better encapsulated the themes. The cast isn't, it's not just the characters, it's the cast. And the number of times in the chat bar or on Twitter during the summit that somebody said the line um, from Hannah Waddingham's Emmy acceptance speech, um, there's no Rebecca without Keely. Like that's what gets me too, that it's not just that the characters are very, very well written. The cast really feels like they are embodying this work. Um, and I, you know, I'm, not someone who follows the cat, you know, the, the actors in a show 
intensely. So I, maybe I have missed that in other shows, but it just seems like the work behind this is so genuine. I totally agree with you on that. Do you guys have anything to comment? We've got another hand raised. So I mean, I love that. I love that. Um, um, Sassy also, um, and her role with Keely, and they're just this kind of group, and they really support each other during hard times. There's no kind of jealousy between the friends. Um, they're really in it, and I, I it brings me a lot of joy to see. Yeah, I think one of the themes that keeps coming up is authenticity. When Mark said things aren't performative, everything comes across as authentic with Ted Lasso. And I, and I follow some, I know a lot of us do follow some of the cast members on Twitter and the way they're posting behind the scenes stuff and the way they're interacting with each other. A lot of these relationships seem pretty genuine and maybe that, that spills into the acting, you know, like these people generally seem to care about each other and they're creating something unique. Uh, Sayed, I think that's a great point. And like, uh, it's funny that you said that because I was literally just looking at the list of attendees and it's all people who's like, I've come to know some of them have been on Explore the Space podcast, but like all literally every single one of them, you can see I'm like tracking with my eyes right now. And when you have that sense of like genuine affection and concern, all of these other domains that we're talking about that help accelerate leadership, whether it's in your practice or what you learn at the Women in Medicine Summit or what you sense when you watch Ted Lasso, it's all so much easier. and there's clearly genuine affection in this cast as well. And I think for, for me, it really puts into specific relief that when we build these communities, it makes the work that is in front of us easier to do. So then from there, the extrapolation is for me, when I go back to work tomorrow is to try to continue to build that sense of community in my own hospital, in my own medical group, because when we have that feeling, the work is that much easier. And I have to say, I mean, this last year and a half, I, it's been said a million times, but it's been a really hard year and a half for everybody in healthcare. And I have found communities and families outside of my space in my institution. I mean, the people who have helped kept me going throughout this last year and a half are the families I've made over social media or over Twitter, over text. I mean, there's some people on this list who are visiting here us today who I have never met in real life, but I would call them really good friends. And those relationships are so important and they've helped me survive this last year and a half and keep myself going. And it's the family you create, not just the family you have, which is what I think one of the themes that we talked about earlier in Ted Lasso. Um, I'm gonna invite Dr. Eve Bloomgarden, who I see has her hand raised to um, ask the next question because I saw her hand next. Hi. Um, so I um, also I'm not sure when I put my hand up. Um, I can't remember um, what I, I, I'm just so excited to be here. So I was just thinking about about how the show is really at the one of the things I respect the most is the lines, just the scripting. I mean, it's it's so clever. Um, and I, I just think it's refreshing to have just witty banter um, and to enjoy just comedy um, just for fun. And we don't really have a lot of outlets for fun these days. And I think I appreciate some of the heavy themes and some of the similarities for sure. But I also really, really appreciate, you know, when they, when coach and Ted are riffing about Hamilton or, you know, talking about gin blossoms or, um, you know, just being incredibly silly. And I think that is also the other piece of why we are so into this show because it just it speaks to us on all of these levels it allows us to really escape from what's going on day to day but to and to really enjoy ourselves 
And I just, I, I just appreciate all of the little things so much in this show to, to kind of just, they, I find I'm, I'm tickled pink by, you know, all of the, like the funny lines and I just love them. And sometimes I'll send them to you guys in video format. So I love it. Um, so it's not really a question at all. It was really a comment, but I think um, I would love to hear people's favorite lines. So why don't we, while we're continuing the conversation, if you want to throw your favorite line from Med Lasso into the chat, or you can throw it up on Twitter and tag Med Lasso and tag WIM Stronger Together. Thank you for that very insightful comment, Eve. I'm going to call next on Carrie. Um, Carrie, if you want to unmute and ask your question or make your comment. I'm so excited. Longtime listener, first time caller, huge fan. <laughs> um, I, a couple of comments. Uh, well, I'm going to make three quick ones. Um, one, I think one of the things I love about this show is that all these guys are, they're super athletic, but they make so many film and literary references. Like every, even when they're in the, in the media room one time, they were all bouncing back and forth about like, you know, which movie star was best in this show. And so I find that really, really nicely balances them out, which is really cool. My, my question that I thought I'd love to get your input on is because this is, ties in with like gender equity, Rebecca's relationship with Sam. And it's so controversial uh, in that she's his boss technically. And I just think it's so interesting how if those roles were reversed, how much that would be, how that would be perceived so differently. And I wanted to get your take on that. Um, and then if, if you don't want to talk about that, I was going to talk about imposter syndrome and my favorite line, I'm waiting for someone to make a gift is when they get up to um, bones and honey and they're like scared to go in and beard says, cut that shit out. You belong or knock that shit off. You belong. And I was like imposter syndrome in a nutshell. That was awesome. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to throw it to Mark to talk about imposter syndrome to start. I'm going to carry, don't kill us, but to avoid major spoilers. Cause I know there's some people who haven't watched up to the point that the episode you were mentioning um, if it's okay, I might have you do a private Twitter conversation about the about that particular relationship, or we can talk about in general relationships where people uh, have a big age gap. Um, but why don't we start with the imposter syndrome topic first? Because I think that is, it's something actually we see throughout both seasons, whatever part you are, you can see people who aren't confident. They, they, do things to try to build themselves up. And that one scene you're describing, I don't think it's a spoiler to give it away because no one's heard of Bones and Honey if you haven't gotten to that episode yet. But I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting way to look at imposter syndrome because it really shows that we all have it, right? We all have it at some point and it comes out in different ways. So um, so Mark, I'm going to throw this one to you first. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge topic. It, I, I almost feel like imposter syndrome is starting to fall into that space of... <laughs> Having so many applications that we're losing track of what it might mean for different people. Um, sim similarly to like burnout or wellness, the, the ways that people interpret it are so varied and they're all correct and right. I'm, I'm in a place now of like, we, I want us to get more specific when we talk about it. For me, imposter syndrome is not feeling like that I necessarily don't belong that I always worry that I'm going to overdo it as the guy who's like dressed in his merch and put on a fake mustache for this conversation. Um, that, and, and that was like of a piece, but you know, when I'm in a meeting space or something like that, I always have to remind myself, don't overdo it. Don't talk too much. Don't talk too loud, monitor your body language. So for me, it's, it's being too big, but I think we have to always remember that imposter syndrome has such different meanings. And I think it's good for us to break it apart, acknowledging that they're all valid. 
What do you think, Syed? Anything to add to that? I agree with Mark. It's a, it's a very multifaceted, uh, broad uh, issue. And one of the things I would add is that um, I feel like imposter syndrome, we deal with it on our own and then we deal with it with help from other people, um, like so many other issues. And it can go in many different ways. And of course, the person that I think of is Nate, again, with imposter syndrome, um, being elevated to this position um, and feeling like people aren't taking it seriously. Um, you know, the, the way he gets guidance and I don't want to spoil things, but, uh, you know, one of the issues for me is that certain people, it feels like to me now, this may be controversial or hot take or whatever, but I feel like he's being let down in, in a way by some of the people who in certain moments aren't there for him. And, um, you know, imposter syndrome is one of those things that can start to become an avalanche. Um, and, uh, it can it can crush you, and and I think that's one of the things we're seeing. Yeah, Ted Poster syndrome, is <laughs> what Nicole just said in the chat. But yeah, that's this is my two cents. Jesse, what do you think? Well, I agree with a comment that was brought in the chat by Daniel Pomerantz. Um, hopefully, I'm saying your name correctly, but I think I, I don't really like the word imposter syndrome. I and Shiki, you talked a lot about this in the summit. It's these imposter thoughts, like what what is happening in the system that we work in that has made people feel that way. Like why? And I have it all the time. And my one of my favorite scenes was the scene that we're talking about when they walk into this like really swanky bar and Coach Beard is like, you know, you ready? And they're like, we don't belong here. He's like, if you could be anywhere, where would it be here? Right now, like go strut. And I mean, shout out to, I'm going to say it again, Barrett Fromey and Julie Kim, who literally told me like, you belong here, show up. You're doing great work. And I think that we just need to hear it sometimes. And it's it's not anyone's fault. It's unfortunately like a, a byproduct or I guess a side effect of the system that we're in that we've been told or, you know, there's been sort of microaggressions along the way that make certain people feel like they, you know, they don't belong or that they're, you know, not good enough to be there. You're absolutely right, Jesse. And, you know, so Dr. Pauline Clance, who is one of the originators of the imposter scale and the imposter phenomenon, spoke at the summit um, when we were in person two years ago, and she brought up the point that it is not a syndrome. It is actually imposter phenomenon because it's not a disease, but it's something that these thoughts of these imposter feelings come up, especially in high achieving individuals, and it's even higher in women. And so what I presented at the summit was this concept that Dr. Kelly Cockett and I have come up with, where it's this imposter cycle that's fueled by number one, you're already having feelings of inadequacy because you're high achievers and you wanna be perfect. Then on top of that, you have these microaggressions and implicit biases that you're not getting the awards, you're not getting the accolades, you're not getting the speaking opportunities. So obviously you're not good enough. And then that leads to burnout because you're working even harder and you've got the emotional burden at home. And that all leads back to even more imposter phenomenon. So I totally agree. And that, I mean, we're almost seeing that I, again, I don't want to do any spoilers, but you'll see as you go through the seasons that different players, different coaches, different members of the team um, and of the cast have imposter phenomenon in different ways. And it manifests in different ways. And you can see some of the external parts of their lives that are making it to have those imposter phenomenon feelings now manifest in more physical ways. And so I think that's a really interesting way to look at the cast. Um, all right, I'm gonna take it. We've got a couple more questions. So Rocky, you're the next hand I saw. We wanna unmute yourself? Yeah, it's great to be here. It's so great to see everyone's faces to, all together. I love it. Um, 
So when I had raised my hand up, I was really thinking about sort of the concept of like community support and family that we sort of see in Ted Lasso and all of the different forms it takes. So one of my favorite sort of is like the holiday dinner at, at Higgins home where everyone sort of comes together. So he has his, you know, nuclear family and that everyone from the team comes as well. So sort of that was such a heartwarming um, scene to sort of see everybody come together in such a fantastic way. And then the other sort of family that I see is Roy with his niece. Like, I love that. They are so sweet because he's this gruff guy and you see him like drinking tea with her, <laughs> taking her for ice cream, you know, being like the princess, you know, it's, it's really heartwarming. So, um, and then just like the team as a family, right. They're all, you know, they're so supportive They're They come together in these times of um, losses, times of wins when people are having, um, you know, without giving spoilers, but when players are sort of having these difficult moments, they sort of come together in really um, heartwarming ways that, you know, you think are not really stereotypical for athletes, you know, male athletes in these sort of aggressive sports or things like that. So I, that's sort of what I had was thinking about when I had raised my hand up. I totally agree with you. That's one of my favorite relationships in the entire show. I was telling, I finally convinced my husband to start watching Ted Lasso. Like he just started watching. So I'm rewatching it with him now. And I told him, I said, this is my favorite, one of my favorite relationships in the entire show. I love, I love their, the tenderness that he brings to it, but not in your traditional way, right? He's not your traditional uncle. He's not your traditional fun uncle. He is Roy Kent. <laughs> uh, does anybody else want to comment on that? Uh, just real quick, I, I think one of the things with Ted's coaching style, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I keep going back to the sports part of it, <laughs> which is kind of like the lowest of the totem pole for Ted Lasso, but uh, Ted gets accused of, of not being a great coach because of the team's record, you know, and the fact that they're relegated. But what Ted does with the team is he builds family, right? He builds these bonds between the players. And uh, that moment on uh, one of the moments in the pitch where uh, um Jamie Tart makes a comment that I, I, my role is to give him space so he can do his thing. It's like the players are now thinking of each other in terms of, uh, you know, being whole people instead of just kind of mercenaries are all brought together to try and achieve this one goal. Ted has people caring about each other. And I think that's the secret to his, obviously the secret to his coaching style is family. I, I want to call out a comment that was in the chat because it is so it resonated with me when I was reading it. Ken just said, and Ken, sorry, I'm calling you out, but you put it in the chat. So I feel like it's fair game. So Ken said, can I have imposter syndrome for a he for she? He's lucky to work with a lot of great women, but one of his colleagues popped her head into this office a couple of days ago and said, thank you for being you. Didn't say much more, but apparently she'd gotten out of a meeting where she'd been mansplained. And apparently Ken never does that, which yay, Ken, I'm really glad that you never mansplained because that is it's really awful when it happens to you. Um, I think that that concept actually of being a he for she, and one, you don't always know you're being a he for she. Sometimes you're just being a nice person, a normal person. But there's a lot of men who want to be allies, who want to be helpful, who want to be an upstander, as we talk about, and they don't know how because they're good people. They have good hearts and good intentions, but they don't know what to do in the moment. Similar to when a woman gets mansplained in the moment, she doesn't know how to respond or her colleague doesn't know how to stand up for her. So I think you can absolutely have imposter syndrome as a he for she ally. 
And part of the reason we actually created some of our programming for that, some of our inclusive leadership programming, was because we had men coming to us saying, teach us how to help. Teach us how to change things in our systems. Show us what we need to be doing, whether it's at the individual level or at the system level. And I think that's something, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier that Apple has done so well with the show is they are showing people without throwing it in your face how you can be an upstander, how you can stand up for your friends and your colleagues, how you can bring it back to, oh, Jesse, what a great idea. I'm so glad that Mark repeated it. Can you go back and talk a little bit more about what your idea was that you talked about five minutes ago? So there's a lot of ways to like woman up as a man, but you need to be able to figure out how to do that. And sometimes you don't have that toolkit. So yes, Ken, to answer your question, you can absolutely have imposter syndrome as a he for she, but there are tools out there and there are leadership programs out there to help you feel more empowered and then teach others how to do what you are already doing so well. Because I think it's a skill and it's a skill set that we are not taught. Men are not taught. Women are not taught. So there are resources out there for you and for your colleagues who want to learn more how to just make this a part of your everyday life. Yeah. And the reality is, is that people respond better when men respond to like a, a statement of gender bias. And we really need men to say something because uh, when a woman says something, unfortunately, it's often not viewed very positively. But when a man says something, you know, like, hey, like that, what did you mean by that? Or, you know, can you, that wasn't cool. Um, that people respond very positive to positively to that. So we really need men to kind of speak up and to amplify. Totally agree. All right. I'm going to, we we're, we're down to our last 18 minutes. So I'm going to see how many people's questions we get, get answered in that time. I'm going to call next on Lori because she's had her hand up for a really long time. Thank you very much, Shika. I first need to ask what's in your glass, Jesse. I'm rocking a rich Argentinian Malbec this evening, but inquiring minds need to know. Lori, I feel like we could be soul sisters. I mean, I feel like between. I'm here for it. And um, so I'm drinking a beautiful glass of um, Michael Chiarello's Bambino from right near you, Mark, near um, Yountville, California. Lovely, lovely. All right, so here's what's on my mind. I'm just super curious what the thought of the group is on culture. There's been a little, very little soccer of late, as has been mentioned, but um, I don't think this is a recent spoiler alert. So I will go ahead and say out loud that um, AFC Richmond was obviously relegated. I mean, the media pressure, the resultant loss of advertising and ticket revenue, all of that would be placing the team in a pressure cooker. And as an admitted business nerd, I'm a little frustrated that we have a euphoric stroll through character development without the more practical, like, what's going on with the team? I mean, I wholly, wholly believe that culture eats strategy for lunch. But what lessons do you guys think that we could extract from the seasons of this team's journey and the comeback story that I'll go ahead and go on record is predicting for season three based on the foundation of relationships and trust and camaraderie and rapport that's being laid. I mean, to me, it's about patience and the process, uh, but there's got to be a mindfulness toward delivering results, whether it's in the back of the net or on the balance sheet. So I'm super curious to know what you guys think about that. I'm going to throw that one to Syed first. Uh, yeah, we, we, we talked about this, you know, in the, it, it's one of the more or less realistic things about that lasso in the sense that a premier league, um, you know, the whole situation is kind of, kind of, uh, um, you know, obviously out there, but, the this kind of, uh, so many losses and so many draws in a row would really not be tolerated at the upper echelons of professional, um, football, um, 
But uh, I think the show isn't so, you know, obviously they're not so concerned about that part of it. And I have a feeling they're going to deal with it in a kind of a little mini kind of uh, wrap up before they give us another big game moment. Um, you know, they've sort of done that already uh, in the sense that they'll just go to a sports cast and say that, okay, AFC Richmond's now won four of their last five and they're looking great. Now there's a big match coming up. Um, so I, I think they're going to turn it around. I think uh, uh, Ted's methodology is going to pay off. The team is obviously invested. They obviously care. Um, the fact that certain, I'm not to spoil it, but certain losses obviously devastated them. Um, you know, they're, I, I think we're going to see that success part of the, the turnaround. I think they've been really smart in almost entirely excising the sports from the show, almost from the beginning, or at least making it a point of very, very low emphasis, because it would really cloud some of the central themes in this, specifically around culture. You can go through like a variety of championship teams in any sport and know that those those athletes hated each other or they hated their coach and they still won the title. That I think would really cloud the dynamic of what we're seeing with Ted Lasso. Um, and I think they've been really smart to separate that out because those debates and narratives, when sports fans get into it, that's it. I mean, that is right. That's all the content. And I think that they've been really, really clever to navigate that such that we just kind of get the Arlo White condensed version. Okay. Over the last four weeks, they've done X, Y, and Z. And now here we are. Um, but I mean, Syed's right in the premier league now with what we know of what happened with their season, Ted Lasso's fired. In, in reality, with the amounts of money that's at stake and things like that, I'm glad that I don't have to think about it in those terms. I'm glad that this is just this world with these cultural imperatives separate from what would be happening on ESPN or, I don't know, Barstool Sports or wherever, Reddit, where they'd be talking about should the coach be fired? Should Roy Kent retire? Should Jamie Tart go play for Man City and get transferred again? I don't want to do that with this show. There's enough of that noise. This is what we get to talk about. And I really like that they've made that choice. What do you think, Jesse? Anything to add? Yeah, I agree with everything that's been said. I think it's um, the pause and sort of the football has been for the character development. And I, I'm thinking about one particular episode that was a, a tough loss. And then there was like the hug heard around the world, right? And I feel like you couldn't have that moment with, if there were like rejoicing in a win, you kind of had to be, everyone was brought to this level of just raw you know, that locker room feel and, you know, and then there's this nice moment between Roy and Jamie and it was like, wow, you know, that, that was so powerful. Um, and so I think that it's very intentional. All right. We've got a next question from Anne. Anne, you want to come off mute? Hi, everyone. Um, so this is amazing. I actually made my poor office staff move patients this afternoon so I could make this when uh, it has not disappointed whatsoever. So this is awesome. But um, I wanted to bring up uh, thinking about family. So I know one of the big conversations that we've seen on Medlasso on Twitter is about the relationships, particularly with people's fathers, also some of it a little bit with their kids. And for me personally, actually, my dad is a medical oncologist who lives across the country from me. And Med Lasso, Ted Lasso, and the way we relate to it has actually been one of the most wonderful things of our relationship and has really brought us together in the midst of COVID when we haven't been seeing each other. So I just wanted to ask all of you, I feel like I, I kind of know some of your family members via social media. Shik, I saw your dad setting up. Mark, you've talked about your wife. Syed, you've talked about your parents. I don't know, Jesse, sorry, I don't know your family, but I'm sure I'll get to you on social media at some point. But I really love to hear from all of you. You know, how do you interact with your family members around Ted Lasso? 
what are the topics you talk about? How do you watch together? How do you watch remotely? And we just kind of love to hear all of your experiences about that. So I can start with that one. So my, for those of you who saw my Twitter post, my parents are, I'm very close with my parents and I actually ran the entire Women in Medicine Summit from their condo. I left my home to my husband and my kids and my in-laws and I went to my parents' place for three nights because I knew I would not be able to do this from my house. So my parents and I are very, very close. My parents have been watching Ted Lasso for since it came out and they love it because they're both super positive people. They've instilled in me like always looking for the silver lining. My dad is a leader. He's a vascular surgeon. He's a, he leads by example, and he's not your typical surgeon, stereotypical surgeon. I say that because, you know, he was practicing back when there were a lot of stereotypes about surgeons that still exist today. Um, but he is very different from most surgeons that I've ever met. And he's, he's my dad. So I love him. So I talked to my parents about the positivity and how I watched the show and how I, how I enjoy the fact that a lot of the things that I do in my life, I see mirrored in the show and I feel like validated almost like, oh, I'm not crazy to want to do things this way. Or it makes sense to try to push people outside of their comfort zones to give them a new leadership opportunity when maybe that wasn't what they were thinking about. Um, my husband just started watching. I mentioned a little bit earlier, my husband just started watching it. And so I'm rewatching it with him. And I love watching it with him because one, I get to watch it again. So I know what's coming up. And I get to watch him watch the show. So seeing his reactions and the positivity that he's getting out of it, because he's also a physician. And so we both had a rough year and a half and he's been really stressed. And so he told me, he's like, if you told me this was a feel good show, I would have started watching it months ago. And I said, well, I didn't know that's what would get you involved. So I think that it's just, it's nice for us to have something to talk about that is exuding positivity and we're all taking different things from it, which I think also goes to our personalities. We're all very different people, but we're all getting different nuggets from it. Like he has different highlights that he remembers that he talks about that I may have forgotten. So it's nice to have like a counter view of what, of what I've been going through. What about, what about you, Mark? Your wife has been very involved in the Ted Lasso commentary. She was one of your guests on your show. Yeah. You know, Jessica was a guest on the show, but she was a late adopter. Um, you know, there, we, we both kind of keep sets of shows that I like and she likes and we kind of, okay, you're doing this. I'm going to watch my show for a bit. Um, but I was like, you got to check this out with me. Now it's like destination television. Like we've got our snacks lined up. She bought me more Jojo cookies for Thursday night. So I can have my stack of, of Jojo's like, she's totally got my back on that front. Um, and she'll have some too, which is killer. You know, my, in terms of like family, my family's spread all over the world. I have a lot of family in South Africa, like most of my uncles and aunts are there. They don't have the show yet. So like my cousin who I love to talk soccer with, he doesn't have Ted Lasso yet, which is a total bummer. Um, my friends and stuff though, this is like a huge subject of conversation for us, just like it is on our, on my Twitter feed, at least it's, it's a huge part of this. And that's one of the things that I just love about it. What about you, Syed? Uh, my family is uh, really into, they follow me really close on, on Twitter, and they've been listening to all the Med Lasso without watching the show. So that sort of piqued their interest to go back to the show. But one of the issues, which is kind of funny, is, is my parents are sort of gentle souls, and uh, the swearing is a little problematic for them. So we're, we're working on it. But uh, my dad does like it a lot. He, he really digs the, he actually saw the original, um, I think it was Saturday Night Live skits or NBC had an original skit with Jason Sudeikis uh, 
that, that preceded this. And he really liked that a lot. So he thought the show was going to be a lot more comedic, but uh, he's liking the way it's going. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, I can't say my, my family, like my parents watch it. Um, you know, they're all the way um, in upstate New York. But I will say my, my dad is like such an original he for she, he has three girls and we, he had all of us playing on the boys lacrosse team. He actually started the girls lacrosse team just for us. So he, you know, I should get him into it. He would really love it, but I will say this is our, um, my special show with my husband. It's hard for us to find a show that we both agree on. And he was like, Hey, we should start watching this show on soccer. And I was like, I don't want to watch a show on soccer. I was like, you know, me better than that. Um, I'm more into the like morning show and like, I don't know, the more the dramatic. Um, and it's been like our special show. Like I will often watch it a little bit late because I'm like committed to watching with him. It's like our thing. Um, and so we will find a weekend night that we are both available that we can watch it together. So it's been, it's been a good thing for us. And you know, it's so funny. I didn't even mention my daughter just started playing soccer and so obviously she's not old enough to watch this show yet, because if she did, I'm pretty sure her mouth would turn into like Roy Kent's mouth in like a second. But I'm looking forward to the day when she's old enough to watch it because she's now obsessed with soccer. And my husband had never really played soccer. So for him, he's now enjoying watching our daughter play soccer and then watching Med uh, Ted Lasso and learning things about soccer through the show that he's then trying to teach her on the soccer field. So it's, it's like a, it's very interesting the way things come together. <laughs> so we have about six minutes left. Mark and I have both been dropping things and in, uh, links into the chat. And I know Jesse, I think asked if anybody knows how to make gifts because that's something, is it GIF or is it GIF? Cause I've heard it pronounced both on Ted Lasso. Is yes. it GIF or GIF? It's GIF, right? If yeah. you're British, is it GIF maybe? Jeff is peanut butter. <laughs> so in the last five minutes, I would love, first of all, if everybody wants to throw into the chat, maybe one lesson you've learned from, Ooh, from the show, like um, one lesson that you've learned from the show, throw it into the chat. And uh, as we close out, I want to give each of our amazing panelists a chance to share one thing they've learned from the show or one closing thought they have for today. So um, I'm going to start with Jesse. Um, I think my biggest takeaway is to invest in people and um, to really uh, invest in the people who are around you and to make those connections. Um, I love this scene when Ted Lasso walks into work and he knows he's like, hey, say hi to your mom or like send that birthday present from both of us. And really how that just completely changes the culture. And um, I love that. I love that. Um, even going to work every day, you know, talking to everybody and building that. So I think that's a great take home for me is just really kind of building the connections of the people around you and choosing the people who, who were each around. I, I mean, I think of Lori Begke's um, talk from the Women in Medicine Summit, like choose your five, who are your five people that you're around? And that really matters. And, you know, be thoughtful about it. All right, Syed, what about you? Uh, for me, I think one of the most powerful lessons from Ted Lasso has been that people are very good at hiding the pain that they carry and to be aware that people may be dealing with with very, very powerful, um, you know, uh, difficult things. And, you know, no spoilers here, but that's been one of the big things for me. And I'll add one extra bonus one is that um, uh, always wear the sparkly pants. <laughs> All right, Mark, what about you? 
I think my biggest takeaway from this entire experience of Ted Lasso, Med Lasso, Whims, the pandemic, but with Ted Lasso kind of as the underpinning as the central dogma is that my understanding of friendship is different now. And the way we seek and make friends and create friendships and support our friends is different now. And it's just as good and valid as it was in like fifth grade summer camp. The community that we're all able to build and share in together is it's 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 essential right now for all of us. It feels different than it did when we were going to first grade birthday parties, but it's no better, worse, or the same. It's still just friendship. I totally, totally agree with you. Um, so I'm going to cheat just like I did, and I'm going to say two things. So my first is that vulnerability is not a weakness. I think that's something I'm still learning, and I have a very difficult time being vulnerable, um, whether it's in my personal life or in my professional life, because I've always been told that it is a sign of weakness um, in my professional life. And so I think that's one thing that as you go through the episodes, you realize that you can be vulnerable and still be an exceptional leader. And I think the other thing that's really powerful, which you have kind of all touched on, is friendship and how I define friendship, because I totally agree with you, Mark. I have completely changed the way I think about friendship and how I how I view my friends, how I love my friends, how I appreciate my friends, how I lift up my friends and who I consider to be friends. And I think that between the show and the pandemic, I think that that's really shown me personally how to um, find my five, find my people. But my five has expanded to much more than five over the last year and a half. So with that, um, we are at the close and I want to thank all of you for joining us for this really special crossover event. Um, we've got the phenomenal Dr. Mark Shapiro, AFC Richmond super fan. And please follow along as we continue the conversation on social media, hashtag WIM Stronger Together, hashtag Med Lasso. Sign up for the summit, check out our webpage. I'll drop it in the chat one more time. Um, we would love to have you as a part of the summit in whatever capacity, whether it's as an attendee or as um, a volunteer. Uh, and with that, thank you so much, everybody. Really had a wonderful time with you all. And we look forward to continuing the conversation on social media. Have a great rest of your night. I hope you all enjoyed listening to the Med Lasso Women in Medicine Summit live show as much as I enjoyed being a part of it. It was an absolute treat. We will retire the Ted Lasso mustache that I wore to the Explore the Space Prop Hall of Fame. I'm not sure it'll come out again, but it was sure fun to wear it. Huge thank you to Shika and Jesse and Syed for being on this panel and to Shika for kind of steering us along and letting me be a part of it as well. And to all of those who were able to join us, what a treat. So much fun to actually get to speak and connect with all of you as well. Like we talked about, right? Our definitions of friendship are changing. And this is a perfect example of what that looks and feels like. And it was just wonderful to, to be there with all of you. Thank you also to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. Please do join in our conversations on Twitter, hashtag MedLasso. Definitely subscribe to Explore the Space podcast. There will be more MedLasso episodes coming and obviously lots more Explore the Space episodes coming as well. Always appreciate your support. Delighted to have you here. We will see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. 
visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com. 